You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. and I'm doing the Bible reading for today, which is Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I absolutely love this story. It's got so much to tell us about walking by faith. Verse 1, it says Jesus entered Capernaum. Now, you might be tempted to just think, okay, yep, he entered a Middle Eastern town of ancient Israel. That's what he always does. But there's a lot to be told, even in that little detail. You see, Capernaum was this little jewel of a village in ancient Israel by the Sea of Galilee. Probably a lot of fishermen, but also a bit of retail and commercial stuff going on. The Roman centurion lived there, you see. He was sent by the Roman emperor to live there and to tax people and to govern, to keep an eye on what was going on. He would have had a household of about 80 people, so it tells us it was a bit of a significant town. The thing is, Capernaum wasn't just known for that. I describe Capernaum as a jewel of the ancient East because the people there had such faith in what they heard about Jesus. Their hearts were soft, they were tuning in, and as a result, he could do amazing miracles there. He spent a lot of time there teaching and responding to their faith. Now, that didn't happen anywhere. For example, Nazareth, where he grew up, he was rebuked for their lack of, they, sorry, they were rebuked for their lack of faith. And as a result, he couldn't do miracles there. I wonder what Jesus would say if he walked into Diamond Creek. I wonder what the people of Diamond Creek would know of Jesus based on the witness of St. John's. You see, this Roman centurion had never even met Jesus, but he'd heard that he was healing people and he believed it. That's sort of the background of this story, this beautiful little seaside town. But then we have this delightful elaboration of these characters, his true story. And I want to ask you, which character did you most relate to? There was, of course, the sick person in bed, the employee of the Roman centurion, really unwell, dying, in fact, down and out. Maybe you know someone in this same position, or maybe it's where you're at today. 
And if that is, I'm so glad you're here because I've got good news for you. Jesus sees your condition. He wants to heal you. And as I share more, I hope you you hear that good news today. He came to restore all that was broken and he wants to, to heal and restore our lives as well. So we had the sick servant. Then we have a couple of bands of, let's call them merry men. We have the disciples. Maybe you relate to them. They were following Jesus, watching, learning. Their faith was growing as they were, you know, following him along to the little villages and seeing the amazing miracles and the authority with which he taught. They too were going to do that in time. Jesus was modeling to them. And if that's you, my goodness, the world needs you right now. This story will be a real key for how you can walk in greater faith and see miracles in your own lives. Then we have the other little band of merry men, the Jewish leaders. Now, these guys were sent from the Roman centurion to plead the case of the sick guy to Jesus. Being a Jewish leader, they would have known that a Jewish leader, a rabbi such as Jesus, would not normally enter the home of a non-Jewish person. If he were to do that, it would defile him and make him dirty under the the law of the Old Testament. So they sort of justified and pleaded his case based on their best arguments. Verse 4 shows us what they are. They pleaded earnestly with Jesus. He deserves this. He loves our people. He even built our meeting place. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, did Jesus ever need convincing and pleading to help someone out? Do we ever see anywhere that Jesus didn't respond to someone reaching out to him in faith and healing their sickness? No. Again and again, we see him responding to people's faith and, in fact, healing all who asked. So what's happening here? It kind of shows a little bit of a mindset of the Jewish leaders at the time. He deserves this. He loves our people. He even built our synagogue. He's basically saying... The Roman centurion is a really good guy. He executes justice well. He's helped his people. He deserves your attention. This man hasn't been harsh. He's been kind to us. He rules well. He built our synagogue. He built our meeting place. That's huge. That's kind of showing that either he's a really good leader and he's gaining favour with the people he's governing or perhaps he has a little bit of a faith in the God of the Jewish people. And this was his act of worship to God in a place where he couldn't go himself, but he could show favour and worship their God. We don't really know, but we're just, we're just taking guesses. The point is they've given their best arguments to Jesus for Jesus to come and heal this servant. What would your reasons be if you were them? Do you notice that none of their reasons were, Jesus, he believes in you. Jesus, he has faith in you. Jesus, he believes you're going to do what you've said you're going to do. It's ironic, isn't it? We've got this Roman centurion who has likely never read the Bible, who hasn't memorised a favourite scripture, who isn't going to Bible study, and yet he's heard what Jesus has done in his village. He's heard that he's been healing the sick and he believes that he would and could do the same for his servant. On the other hand, we have these Jewish leaders. Now, often for a person to be a Jewish leader, they had to go to synagogue school and they had to memorise the first five chapters, sorry, first five books of the Bible by heart to get in. 
They were people that were versed in scripture and were teaching others how to follow God. And yet none of their reasons were, he believes in you. Their reasons were all based on human merit. Now there's a little bit of a warning here for us. Make sure we um, don't fall into the same trap. If we find ourselves thinking, but, but God, I deserve this. But, but God, I work so hard for your church. But God, I, I turn up every single week. In fact, I've done this for decades, for years, for months. But God, she really loves your people. Why wouldn't you turn your eye to her? Why wouldn't you hear her prayer? And him, he's funded five mission trips. Of course you should hear his prayer. They're all reasons that are saying, God, these people deserve your attention. They deserve your favour. Do you see where I'm going here? It's a deceptive mindset which shifts the focus from what God has done to our worthiness, our track record, our good works, our merit, our capabilities, and it minimises what God has done, giving Jesus as a gift to pay the full price, the compassion and goodness of Jesus so that all who reach out to him get his attention. It's not because we've earned it, but rather he is beyond compare amazing in what he's done. So back on track, the next character is the Roman centurion. Now let's face it, he comes across as a pretty amazing person. Perhaps you fancy yourself as a pretty amazing person. He sounds wise enough. He sounds like a caring leader. He seems to have worked well and people like him and are ready to stand for him. Capernaum wasn't a huge place. He was probably recognised in the local coals and as he bought a kebab. You might not be a ruling governor, but here's the thing. Do you know someone who really needs Jesus' help right now? Do you know someone who needs his help, needs his attention, needs his touch, but you don't know what to do? And if that's the case, you can learn from the Roman centurion because he gives us a valuable lesson that's still relevant today. Let's face it, the Roman centurion didn't enter into the historical pages of the Bible because he was a good guy, because he ruled well, because people liked him. He was recorded in history because of something so much more profound yet simple than that. He had a simple yet incredible faith. Verse 7, he says, Just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. Now when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not seen such faith even in Israel. Wouldn't you love to have a faith which surprises Jesus? To step out and do something which totally gets the attention of God. Can you imagine? Wowzers, look what Chase is doing this week in the name of Jesus. Her faith is phenomenal. Wow, angels gather around. Phil and Deb and Barry and Jan have amazed me at what they're believing I will do. The Dormans are saying, I'll do what in Jesus' name? I'm totally backing them in that. That's amazing. Now, this only happens a few times in scriptures. And each time it's because someone took Jesus at his word and stepped out in faith by that. 
the Roman centurion was one of those people. He was also a first fruit, an example of a trend which was about to happen around the world. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, this same story, we've looked at it in the book of Luke, but if you switch to another gospel, the book of Matthew in chapter 8, you'll see the same story. And Jesus is teaching his disciples about a key lesson about the Roman centurion. This is what he says. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's teaching the Jewish people that there is a covenant between God and his people. And the Jewish, initially it was to the Jewish people, but it's about to be extended to the east and to the west And people from all over, myself, yourself, others are going to come to faith and be part of this covenant that he's extended. This is one of the first people to show that trend. And so how can we learn from the faith of the Roman centurion? And how do we have a faith that surprises Jesus? I believe a key part of this story is that we need to understand spiritual authority like the Roman centurion did. If you're following along in your Bibles, let's go to verse 6. Jesus was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I say to that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. Wow. In hearing Jesus was coming to his house, he knew he didn't need to come in. He didn't need to even lay hands and pray. He stepped out in front of his neighbours, in front of the Jewish leaders, in front of the people of his household, in front of the disciples, and expressed his faith in Jesus. Just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. What a public declaration. He sure understood how authority worked. Where do you see authority at work at the moment? I mean, we see it on the news every night. But back then, to give an example... The Roman centurion was working for the emperor of Rome. If that emperor said, raise the taxes, he only had to say that and it would happen throughout all the little villages throughout Israel and the Roman empire. On the other hand, if the Roman centurion were to say, build that synagogue, people would just by his words. He had authority in that. This man understood how authority worked and he had a respect for it. He also understood and was humble enough to recognise that he didn't have an authority to heal and that Jesus did. He'd heard about it and he believed it. This trust in Jesus was based on experiential knowledge of the power of the words spoken by a person in authority. Those words directed actions and events. Jesus, if you simply say the word, my servant will be healed because you have authority to heal. Now, I've got to be honest here. Sometimes we say words, even the word of God, and nothing happens. Has that happened to you? It's happened to me at times. It might be that our experience of what we have seen or heard has actually hindered our faith rather than helping our faith. Therefore, our words aren't accompanied with faith, 
and don't have the authority, authority, so they are empty words that don't do much. But here we can learn from Jesus' words. Verse 9, he turns to the crowd following him and he said, I tell you, I have not seen such great faith even in Israel. Jesus contrasts the Roman centurion's faith to that of Israel, meaning the God-fearing Jews. And here is a stern warning for ourselves. Then we had the God-fearing Jews knowing the scriptures inside out, yet they did not understand, nor did they walk in Jesus' authority. Beware, friends, that your academic knowledge, your head knowledge of church, of tradition, of the Bible, doesn't hinder and erode and dissolve a simple trust in Jesus. The Roman centurion's faith was not based on the studies he'd done, on knowing the word back to front. He hadn't memorised his favourite scripture. He'd hardly likely even read it. His confidence came in Jesus, what he'd heard about him and what he understood of authority. He believed what Jesus would do and he prayed about it. No, he believed what Jesus would do and he thought about it. No, he believed what Jesus would do and he politely comforted the man. No, he believed what Jesus would do and he acted on it. His faith had movement. It had legs which moved. Just say the word, Jesus. He said in front of many and my servant will be healed. What do you need and what do you believe Jesus will do for you today? What words are you waiting on him for other, on behalf of others? Just say the word, Jesus, and that storm will be calmed. Just say the word, Jesus, and that marriage could have a healing touch. Just say the word, Jesus, and those demons would flee. Just say the word, Jesus, and these anxieties would calm. What authority he believed Jesus had. It is faith and trust in Jesus that gets heaven's attention. And without it, it leads to an eternal separation from him. It's that divisive and that important. And so I want to ask you, from this story, what are you going to take home? What are you going to put into action this week as a result? There's three different groups I want to talk to in this. The first group, for people who would not consider themselves a follower of Jesus and you're watching on, have you heard what Jesus is doing? Have you heard the stories of him healing people, forgiving people, touching and reaching out to people and making broken lives whole and healed? Perhaps you have and that's why you've tuned in and I'm so grateful that you have. But like the Roman centurion, it's a little bit different because he had to go and send Jewish leaders and find Jesus. But friends, it's not like that anymore. You don't need to find a local Jewish leader or a local religious leader. You can know God personally. Jesus has opened it up through his life, death and resurrection that everyone can know God personally. Now I say to you honestly, if that's you and you're thinking about it, here's two things I'd suggest. In fact, I'll make it three. The first one, when I was looking into what a faith in Christ was about, I had a lot of confused emotions. My intellect, faith, how does it all work together? And I prayed a simple prayer, but it was from my heart. <clears throat> I said, Heavenly Father, if you're real and if you're there and if you're listening and if Jesus is the way to, 
to you, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear to me. And if you can do that, I'll follow you all the days of my life. Well, he did, and in a way that I understood, and it's been a joy to follow Jesus since. But perhaps you've moved beyond that, and perhaps you're thinking, no, I'm, I'm ready to make a decision. I, I want to use the faith that I have. I believe what Jesus says. Well, then I encourage you, tell him. Tell him in your own words. Tell him that you want to live by faith in him. If you're not sure what words to use, sometimes at this church we use three words that um, we use them quite often. Sorry, thank you, and please. Here's a bit of an example. Sorry, God, that I've been facing in my own direction. I turn to you. I want to face you and your direction. Thank you, God, that you've forgiven me of my sins. The public ones, the private ones, you've forgiven me of living life my own way. Please, Lord, can I follow you as my Lord and Saviour? Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to do that all the days of my life. Now, honestly, if you've done that just now, said it with your mouth and believed it in your heart, you're a child of God. He celebrates over you, even if you're watching by yourself on a device at home. There's angels rejoicing over that right now. And I say, please get in touch with us. We would love to journey with you, encourage you, send you a Bible, talk to you about your questions. What good news. Although perhaps that's not you. Perhaps you felt a little bit like, oh dear, I kind of relate to the Jewish leaders. Sheesh, I, I do know the Bible like the back of my hand and I can tell all different verses and I can tell you ins and outs of what's going on. But to be honest, instead of reading it, I need it to read me. I need to focus less on what I'm doing and how much I know and more on being with Jesus and letting him transform me from the inside out. I maybe once had a faith which surprised Jesus, but gee, I, I sure want one in the future as well. And I tell you, this is Jesus' words, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent for the kingdom of God is near, meaning turn, turn from a hardened heart, turn back to him, turn from your own intellect and turn to him in childlike faith. You could pray a prayer like this, Father, forgive me for my hardened heart, for the intellectualization of my faith and for anything else you're thinking. I turn to you and I want you to help me live a, a faith on fire for you afresh. I ask you for a bigger understanding of your authority. Lord, enlarge my faith. And the third group I want to speak to today. Yeah, perhaps this is you. I, I read the Bible. I, I know Jesus. I do trust in him. But to be honest, Julie, I'm, I'm not seeing many great faith stories anymore. I mean, I hear about them and I read about them, but I, I can't say I've lived them myself for quite a while. And here's a little tip, a key from this story. F friends, our faith requires action. It's when we step out in faith that Jesus steps in. I encourage you to step out in faith in Jesus. Get involved in something that stretches you. When you're thinking about life after COVID, don't just make plans that you can do in your own strength. Make a plan that could only work if Jesus was involved. Surprise him, get his attention or at least try. 
What would you only do if you knew God was with you? What would you only step out in if you sensed I could only, this would only work with Jesus? Why not try to do that in 2020, 2021 and beyond? Perhaps it's something, it's a little bit different. It's like, you know what, I, I've had a desire in a while to lead a life group. I don't quite know what's involved, but I step out knowing I can't, but Jesus can and together we will. Let's work together and step out in this. Or maybe with the digital carols coming up, you're thinking, let me pray and invite some friends that don't yet know Jesus to watch carols with me. And I'm going to be praying and believing that God would give an opportunity to share about Jesus during these Christmas celebrations. There are so many ways, friends, that we can step out in faith. And guaranteed, as we do, as we step out in faith, Jesus steps in. As we step out and put legs to our faith, he comes in and he, and he moves in power. And it's the most exciting thing to be alive as a Christian when we see that happen. Let me pray. Lord God, we love that you are with us. We love that you've gone ahead of us. God, would you be powerful and mighty in our lives this week. Lord, we pray that this word would sink deep, that you would give us a deep understanding of your spiritual authority and that we could walk in a confident assurance of who you are and who we are as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.